Welcome to the Creators on Comics podcast. This podcast is a conversation between two creators, dissecting the craft and technique that goes into creating comics. This episode is actually our second episode featuring three creators. In this case, the three writers behind Archie Comics' Pop's Chocolate Shop of Horrors. Those writers are Ryan Cady, Amy Chase, and Jordan Morris. Here's their spoiler-filled and food-filled conversation. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, I'm Ryan Cady. Uh, I'm a writer of comics and horror, and I'm here to talk about Pop's Chocolate Shop of Horrors from Archie Horror. And I uh, wrote the Night Shift story starring Kevin Keller. Hi, I'm Amy Chase. I'm a writer of comics. I specialize in horror, supernatural, and fantasy storytelling. Um, and I am here also to talk about Pop's Chocolate Shop of Horrors. Namely, I wrote the frame story called Die and Dash. Hey, I'm Jordan Morris. I am the writer of comics and some other stuff too, but most importantly, comics. And most, most importantly, Pop's Chocolate Shop of Horrors from Archie Horror in stores now. I contributed Soylent Teen starring... Betty Cooper, everybody's favorite gal next door. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll, I'll kick off the interview. Um, so yeah, I want to know, I want to go around the horn and ask folks um, what the inspiration for their story was. And uh, if you have a favorite panel or moment in the issue, could be from your story, could be for one of the other stories. Yeah, so let's, let's start off. What was the germ of the idea and what was your favorite moment? Amy, you want to go first? Sure. Um... I was really excited by this idea when um, super editor Jamie Rotante uh, kind of, you know, sent ahead the the publishing schedule for Archie for the year. And I just, I'm the diner is so iconic and I knew that I had wanted to really kind of dig into that setting, but it, I didn't want to go maybe where people might initially expect, which is why I kind of stayed away from using like Jughead as a character Love and respect to Jughead, of course. Uh, but this oh, was, we have no this choice. Was... We we stand a legend. We stand a hungry. Of we course. stand a hungry legend. We have no, no beef except on his burgers. There you go. Yes, <laughs> we absolutely <laughs> couldn't do him dirty in this type of a story. I, I knew I really wanted uh, Pop to be kind of the focus of my story. Um, and and I've kind of joked before. He's not. He's not the villain. You know. He's he's just a small business owner, and everybody loves him. Um, but I really, I. I you know, I can't think of any specific examples right this second, but it just feels like such a classic trope of a lot of sitcoms or just general uh, stories that I watched growing up where it is like, if you try to steal food or you try to run out without paying your bill, you know, jump out the bathroom window or what have you, uh, if you get caught, you're going to be washing dishes. And like, I haven't seen a story like that lately, um, but that idea has always kind of stuck with me. And so I was like, okay, but what if the dishes that they're washing, you know, have the the gore and grime on them? So I, I when I pitched this to Jamie, I said, here's what I think is is how we can show the different like aftermath effects of the different stories. Um, and and Jordan and Ryan, as you know, I approached you and I was like, what's something disgusting that like gets left behind from your story? Um, because that was very specifically, I wanted it to be a teachable moment, uh, and have a very tangible effect on like what got left behind in the diner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. R- Ryan, how about you? What was the, uh, what was the germ? <laughs> what was the germ of your idea? And maybe we'll do favorite moments and panels after this. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Let's no, That's good. Let's have that be a separate question. That's a good idea though. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Um, so the germ for mine, I had, um, years and years and years ago, 
I had pitched Jamie, uh, Jamie Rotante, editor extraordinaire, who we love. Uh, I had pitched her on like a Pops Noir story that had like a lot of stuff with Pop being sort of like the keeper of secrets in the small town, or, like the arbiter of justice between like, you know, he's the neutral's territory between all the forces. Um, and so when when she was, you know, building up the slate and talking about all the uh, Archie horror stuff that's happening this year, she was like, hey, I remember you have pop stuff. Uh, we want pop's horror. Uh, and I kind of went, I was like, well, I don't really, none of my old stuff works. So uh, I had like happened to have just finished reading like a bunch of Clive Barker stuff. And I was like, can I just do some Clive Barker stuff? Um, so I really wanted to just kind of like uh, explore sort of the, uh, this is going to sound like stupidly over academic. I don't know, like the othering mm -hmm. of like being a cashier or of like being the first person who has to deal with the customer and how like weird and othering that feels. Uh, so uh, I wanted to like heighten that to 11 and put Kevin Keller in a really, really unfortunate place. Uh, and what more weirder and better place to do it than the night shift. I will now bounce this back to Jordan and you have to answer your own question. Yeah. Uh -huh. So uh, my story is called Soylent Teen, uh, a title that gives away the twist. Um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, I kind of started with the title, honestly, pun first, as you know, I think is appropriate in the Archie verse. Uh, a lot of great puns in the history of Archie. Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. The title kind of popped into my head and then I kind of reverse engineered it from there. Uh, it is a story about Betty uh, go, returning to the diner and finding a, uh, you know, a world of uh, foodie cannibals eating there after hours. Uh, Pop has a lot of side hustles, I think we're discovering in this, <laughs> like 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 we all do these days. Uh, you know, not only is he uh, he's serving the weirdo monsters from Ryan's story, but uh, all the Riverdale literati comes to eat human flesh, uh, you know, maybe like Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, I'd love to see Pop's schedule <laughs> for these, like when, when all when all these various groups of weirdos uh get to come in for their respective meals. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I kind of just just went from there. I I I for a while was very into the TV version of Hannibal, um, oh, yeah. the Mads Mikkelsen yeah. Hannibal, and really love how they did you know cannibalism as fine dining. I thought that was you know really great. And my uh the artist I worked with, Liana Congas. Um, you know, when we started doing this, I sent them a food porn list from Hannibal. It was some <laughs> listicle site had like the most delicious moments from Hannibal. So I kind of sent that along with my, you know, script and pitch and just said, like, this is kind of what was going through my brain. If you want to, like, use this as a little inspiration, you can. And uh, yeah, I think that's something Liana really did great. Like the 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 food really looks delicious. Uh, and, you know, when the unsurprising twist comes that it's human flesh um you know may maybe maybe we leave the audience wondering if they would take a bite um <laughs> that's the that, that'd be the well, goal you definitely i mean with uh with stacy and betty kind of just at the end they're just like hmm, would we would we maybe i don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i hope that moment landed i i i like that a lot as kind of a twist of like well it's it's here and we you know we you, we don't want to throw it away. What, yeah, It'd what's worse, letting your classmates go rude. to waste? Yes. Or... <laughs> it would be rude. I think uh, maybe we should also say before we get too deep into this, there might be spoilers. The book is out now. 
so I mean, there there might be some light spoilers. Uh, yeah, if you haven't picked pops. it up and read it, shame on you for even yeah. listening <laughs> to this podcast. This is your fault that it got spoiled for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a food spoils pun. I don't know. I don't have it. Oh, yeah, You two sure. are the pun masters. Like, we're talking about titles. I was very impressed. You like lead with Soylent Teen, and I'm like, of course, Soylent Teen. Oh, my God, obvious genius. And Die and Dash. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I like... Sometimes kids have to work at night. Like, <laughs> yeah. But it, night, I think, you know, night it is... moves, bowel movement. I don't know. Is there something yeah. there? <laughs> kids, people love night. People love the Bob Seger song, Night Moves, right? People want to see that oh. pun. Oh, yeah. In fact, I think they also want to see Pop Star in a shot for shot remake of the film Night Moves. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. But, you know, the song Night Moves does not appear in the movie Night Moves. There's no justice in the world. Total, Sorry, total total bullshit. Oh no, I was gonna say, Ryan, your story, uh, the the in your script, the handsome stranger, always evoked the song "Sunglasses at Night." Like, oh, where like oh, I don't yeah. want to get the podcast demonetized, but that was like, you know, that that was what I was thinking with that guy, just wearing his sunglasses at night. <laughs> no, I love the way that Chris Panda, um, the artist on Night Shift, really like rendered that guy. I was like, oh, like let's go for like a kind of like retro handsome like 50s hot guy and i wanted to have like some flirty energy between him and kevin a little bit and like <laughs> yeah when they when this when the panels started coming back and he had like full sunglasses i was like you can decide maybe he has sunglasses maybe regular glasses, whatever and we got those designs it's true like the version from nope where it's like slowed down it's like yes well speaking of uh chris panda i want to jump back to to Jordan's question about the favorite moments. Um, I think in the book, one of my favorite, because like, you know, we saw all the scripts and I was so anxious to see what all of your uh, stories would turn into with the the fabulous art teams behind them. I think my favorite moment is is that first shot of the night shift, the late crowd diners, because it was so like, they're so like, I think I've seen those people before, but also the longer you look at them, the creepier they get. And I, I, that was so effective for me. I just thought it was so, so creepy. Like the, the woman with just the slightly too long neck and the eyes are just a little bit farther apart than they should be. And, you know, the guy with the trucker hat and the mask on, and you're like, yeah, like I've, I've probably seen that person in the corner of the Denny's at like 2 AM. Um, but I just, I really loved how that panel came together and it was, it was super cool. And I think Chris Panda did such a fantastic job with that panel. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, again, all credit to him. Uh, like genuinely, uh, he, he killed it. Um, you know, when you ask, I'm, I'm sure you both know, like sometimes you have to ask for a thing from an artist that is just like, Hey, here, this is very evocative of blank. Like I have a bunch of like moods right. you can hit and I want you to hit. And it's like, you know, go with God. I know you can do great, but it's like, <laughs> it's so awesome when it hits like a hundred percent like that. And he's like on the same wavelength. I, I mean, I feel like we were all pretty blessed with an amazing crop of artists on this book. Right. Like, yeah. Well, and I, I, I know um, I haven't had a chance to mention, um, I worked with Federico Sabatini and he was so fantastic. He went, above and beyond on a background gag uh we had a movie poster in there for the movie yes. that Nick and Sherry are trying to go see and it didn't it the full image didn't make the final thing but it's in my files and and I will enjoy it uh but Federico did a whole movie poster uh and Ellie Wright colored it fabulously um but it was just like hey I've got this stupid background gag like it's gonna come up in one line and I want to see it in the alleyway and he did a whole movie poster for it. <laughs> can you can you tell us the the full like because it's only in the background in the finished version? Can you like do a description for for an inside scoop for the readers? 
Yeah, so the the overall the movie poster this is for Giant Hoagies from Outer Space, the the hit B movie that Sherry and Nick yes. never get to go see. <laughs> uh Pop almost got to see it. They would have left their movie tickets if if that would have sl- uh slid with him. But um the tagline for the film is Lunchtime Just Got Meteor and Federico <laughs> designed this amazing uh cityscape. We've got a a beautiful skyline and then there's this kind of almost like a, a in, like Pacific Rim style Jaeger mech space hoagie and so like the head of it looks like a sandwich roll and then the robots coming up over the the cityscape and it's just it's just this fabulous like <laughs> such a such a stupid joke that i was like i'm lobbying really hard for this to be in my script uh and then he he turned out a whole separate illustration he's like i finished the eight pages and here's a here's a full movie poster as well uh i know we were about to talk about uh favorite favorite moments favorite panels uh Amy, you stole mine. But uh, <laughs> giant hoagies from space, I think is 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 what is maybe my favorite thing in the book. Uh, yeah, first of all, just to just to just to start, it's a great it's a great title, and yeah, the fact that it pays off later is really really funny, and just like so archy, just very archy. I I I I reread the uh, Mark Wade Fiona Staples uh, oh, the first yeah. trade of their Archie run just to kind of prepare for this, and there's a little forward. And it's Mark Wade kind of talking about how he approached the project. And one of the things he said in it that really stuck with me is that, like, there's nothing wrong with Archie. Like, it doesn't need to be changed. It doesn't need to be twisted. Like, you put your own spin on it. But, like, it's lasted this long for a reason. People love it. And, and yeah, and, like, obviously the, these stories do get pretty crazy. And they do get, like, you know, a little messed up in their own way. And... But but I do like that they are also Archie and uh, yeah. And the fact that it does feel like the spirit of the comics and it's not just like tacking some first names onto characters and doing a totally different thing. It like it, it, it I don't know. It feels like it fits. And that's something that I that I think is exemplified very well by giant hoagies from space. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Seconded for sure. That that was I was also going to mention. That's why I wanted you to describe the poster because I was like, oh, that's also one. Although, honestly, uh, Jordan, in, in yours, uh, like, I really love that you just like page two. Oh, we're in eyes wide shut territory. Like, <laughs> sure, I, I yeah. like flipping to him like, oh, OK, we're not wasting a minute. Hell yeah. Like, just like the dive in. And that page also has something I want to ask about later. Um, I'm going to I'm going to put this in my in my tab and and ask as a later question when I need one. But I am going to make you talk about the milkshake situation. Oh, sure. Uh, And likewise, Amy, I I would really love to hear about the thought process behind like the jukebox and the soul coin and stuff. Like, I think Mm -hmm. that visual is really cool and evocative. And I would like really love to hear like some of your thoughts on that and where you thought that was going. If that was like a, a from the jump, like you wanted that visual or if that was like a process thing for you. Well, I think once I had had the idea of, like, the kids don't have enough money uh, to pay for their dinner, and that's the start of this problem, I wanted a logical conclusion of, like, what price is going to be enough for Pop in this situation? And I was like, well, obviously, like, if they just, like, cash isn't going to cut it here. Um, and I I kind of wa- uh, weave in a few lines where Pop is like, the the burgers are the heart and soul of the place. And so they were trying to steal the burgers. Well, then he's going to steal their heart and soul basically. Um, But I thought the, I thought the jukebox uh, visual was super fun. It was really different, but it is one of those like classic fixtures of 
uh, of a diner because you you boys both had the the food horror angle completely covered and and the customers and all of that with the disgusting goulash and the beautiful beautiful uh, overachiever confit uh, with class president puree. I think I got that right. Class um, puree, yes. <laughs> and um, so I was like, I don't know, something that comparatively is also very small, like jukebox quarters. That's kind of a small denomination, um, but the idea that it's it, I don't know, turning the kids into money to physically pay for a tab that they keep skipping out on, I thought was like pretty poetic justice. Uh, and then it was fun when I asked if we could throw all of your characters from your stories in there as well. Just, you know, again, the the price that Pop takes for that. But uh, there's also like a reference earlier in the story to someone trying to steal from the jukebox and that definitely has a double meaning about like do people know that like what's in the jukebox and why it's not playing so I just I don't know I thought it was super fun but it was just definitely one of those like pieces of a retro diner um, that I thought pretty necessary to show uh, to kind of complete the dining experience uh, in Pops. Yeah I, I love it it was like something out of like when creep show would get like really out there sometimes like in the middle of one of the entries you'd be like whoa like this jukebox has kids' souls in it. This is gnarly. <laughs> <laughs> and they're wailing your tune. <laughs> Yo! Pretty much. So Thank you. You guys are you guys are really on it with the wordplay. I'm very impressed. <laughs> well, now, going back to what you had mentioned, Ryan, Jordan, from what horrid depths did a sizzling fajita milkshake come from? <laughs> oh, yeah. So the, the, you know, I always like jokes about how bad the food is at pops yeah i forget there was some one of the archie horror horror issues maybe somebody somebody can call the specific one here but there's like a running gag about how bad the meatloaf is and i just love I, that stuff do you know, I know which exactly one which one that is it's weirder mysteries from last summer um i forget who wrote it i'm so sorry uh but i know because federico sabatini drew that one as well oh, okay so great yeah he's got yes. a very storied history with the diner there you go. Uh, yeah, so that, the original line in the original draft was, um, I hope whatever Pop is serving is better than his chili cheese fish sticks. Um, <laughs> so that was the original, you know, bad diner food. Um, I'm like, well, how do I one-up meatloaf? I'm like, okay, just some, you know, some some insane concoction that I'm like, oh, he'll probably have these two things, and he just combines them to sell a new dish. Um, and then, yeah, I, I had a little punch up session with uh, uh, the aforementioned uh, Jamie Ritante, uh, who I think I think we all universally love working with and who is a great Archie writer herself. Um, she did the Betty and Veronica Vixens series that um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think kind of periodically resurfaces. I don't know what the status of that is, but I think there's a couple volumes of it and it's uh, the ones I've read have been very good. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, and she does, you know, he, she does stories in the anthologies too. It just is a, just an, an all an all around uh, a great shepherd for the brand. Um, so yeah, so I asked her, since this was my first one, if we could just do a little punch up session together and see if there was any, you know, jokes she could beat or something that kind of felt off or something that felt like it wasn't, you know, part of the world. And yeah, and you know, we we kind of just talked about is there stuff about Betty we can call back? I think there's a reference to her like recycling or being obsessed with recycling that was a Jamie suggestion. And I think the chili cheese fish sticks, she's like, this is good, but like 
you know, Pop is known for his milkshakes. Is there something you can do with milkshakes? And I had a, I wish I could find it. I should have, uh, yeah, but I have a list of like 10 gross milkshakes. And I think that's <laughs> the one that she said was the funniest. So yeah, the sizzling fajita milkshake. Um, yeah, that, that's that's definitely something about about comics that that I'm I'm trying to make my own is like, how do you have a punch up session? You know, it can be such a, a lonely kind of writing, you know, and and maybe a lonely kind of creating. It's like you you do this script and then you send it to an editor and it sends you send it to an artist and maybe you never meet each other. Um, um. So so yeah. So I I I I I love to like encourage, you know punching up and dicking around and throwing out ideas with with other people who are on the team it's really fun and that's kind of like how i like to work so so yeah I, I i definitely like like to bring a little of that like tv writer room energy to these projects um yeah i don't know i always think i always think you get a you know a funny weird left of center thing like sizzling fajita milkshake when you do that <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I think this because this was a really uh, unique experience for me. Uh, you mentioned like kind of having that writer's room energy um, because this is I, I've been in a lot of anthologies that are like Kickstarter anthologies. And so those, you know, you yeah. send your pitches in, you may or may not already be paired with an artist and then you just kind of work in your own private cubicles and then everybody puts it all together into a, a book. Um, but I, I, I like the way that it came together with having the opportunity to talk to you both uh for the frame story to like make sure because again we were we were sharing a diner we're sharing a physical space and so that might have impacts or just kind of uh, ideas that we wanted to carry on throughout and I really loved getting to talk with you both um again with those things like hey I'm gonna throw the jukebox in there so if you do have a chance to like show it that's you know that's a fixture that's very important kind of our, our Chekhov's gun or like hey like figuring out different items on the menus or um the ways in which we could connect uh, certain visuals and I thought that was that was a really great opportunity that I think like really hopefully comes through for the readers um, it, it, when they read this I think that the book does kind of reward uh, repeat readings um, especially when you kind of you know you get the oh here's where the the horrible goulash might have come from you know yeah. once we and so I think hopefully it maybe inspires people to go back and look and kind of once they know how the sausage is made, like kind of check that out again for a, a slightly different reading experience. Definitely. And, and like, kudos to you for like championing that a lot. I feel like with the, because you have the, like um, the framing story, there's like a lot more pressure on you, Amy, to be the one who like gives cohesion to the diner. Uh, so well done. And like, you know, likewise, uh, like Jordan, I really, I really feel like I, at first I was like, Oh no, like, Jordan's doing a really good job with the food horror thing. Like I like, like this is kind of covering beats. What should I do that's different? And like, just being able to be like, oh no, like just like plus one it, like have his his meats in the freezer. Like, I don't know. Right, yeah, I, yeah. Like, I really appreciate the collaborative process that we had on this. And just go going back to a phrase that, that Amy used earlier, if there's a if there's a pop two, and I think we would all love for there to be, we need to include the phrase how the sausage is made somehow. <laughs> yes. Pop yes. two, back for seconds. <laughs> right. <Ooh. laughs> right. Back for I seconds. Mean, I don't know. Pitch it to Jamie right now. It's, it's on my poll list already. If that I love yeah, it. If that's if that was in previews, that is on my poll list. <laughs> Yeah, full disclaimer. That is absolutely. I mean, it with vote with your dollars. If you guys uh, make this a sellout, maybe they'll they'll let us do that. I wanted to pose a question just because we've talked about the kind of diversity of the different like sectors of the horror and like the okay, we're looking at the diners and the then the actual food horror and the not paying your bill. 
Um, but what what specifically I think drew you to the character that you wanted to throw into that circumstance? Like what like Ryan, what made Kevin Keller the pick for the the customer service and and Jordan? Like why were Stacy and and Betty kind of involved uh, in that incident? Like what made them the people to uncover this horror? I mean, for me, I, I funny enough, like you bring up Jughead, who we love and have no shade against. He's a great guy. I, I originally, I was like going really broad with the pitches. I was like, I don't know, like Jughead can have this thing with like the really early version of Night Shift. I'm like, J- Jughead is like the Night Shift cashier and he has a really bad night. Uh, and I like, <laughs> didn't even have details. But after Jamie was like, oh, no, no, no. Like for this, you, you, sh- you can totally feel free to go like, you know, everybody. And she wrote a list of more like secondary people. And, and she was like, yeah, you know, Kevin hasn't gotten. I'm like, I Kevin, yes. Like, I don't know, like Kevin still having a lot of that like all American Archie teen sheen to him. And like, there was something that really felt like, man, Kevin really feels like the dude who would get caught in like a Clive Barker horse. Like, I I know I keep going back to that, but I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, this is the guy that I want to put through the ringer. Unfortunately, Um, he is, you know, too nice and pleasant. And, and those are the guys who have a really bad time in our story. (laughs) Yeah, I I was really thrilled to get to use Betty just because I love a I love a a, a hilarious type A dork. I think like Lisa Simpson is one of the like underrated great comedy characters. Um yes. and I love anyone who is like hilariously studious and kind of like doesn't know it or like yeah, just someone someone who is like into school and spreadsheets. I think is just a funny kind of character. Um, that we can kind of like laugh at with a lot of love in our hearts. Um, yeah. So I just think that's, that's something I thought was funny about Betty and, and kind of, yeah, like Ryan said, like the more wholesome the character, the more hilarious it is to see them, you know, get put through an ordeal. And, uh, yeah. And then, and then like the idea to use Stacy, that was, uh, that was Jamie. And yeah, she just kind of had this suggestion. Like we were, we were talking about the, like, type a studious nerd characters in the world and she kind of mentioned that this they had this newer character stacy who was like an app designer and then yeah then i i just kind of thought about like oh i guess we do kind of need someone to save the day at the end and she was a she was a great choice so yeah that was um it was just kind of a like you know the 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 nerds triumph and uh yeah i think something funny about both those characters is that like they take care of business, you know, like they might be, you know, they might be nerds, but they take care of business. So yeah, that's kind of where the, the idea to use them came from. Nice. Well, and I think also the, the, the brief moment that Stacy gets to mention that smart fridge, you go, wow. Like now I see why pop is selling or uh, cooking and selling like human meat. Cause it, clearly it pays enough that he has a smart oh, fridge. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. So I've got kind of maybe a fraught question uh uh unfortunately but uh uh we kind of danced along it earlier going off of the like last two panels of soylent teen jordan assuming a similar situation ethically sourced human meat would you eat it i mean it's not ethically sourced in your story but it's like well it's here we don't want it to go away i mean what's your stance on on human meat (laughs) Great, great question, Ryan. And I was hoping <laughs> we would get here because <laughs> um, I have some opinions. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, no. So I have a very like taste and texture memory. Like I can remember a lot of like 
times when I would like eat something gross or something that was like spoiled or, you know, th- th- these are very like potent memories for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anything can kind of cue them up. Um, so I think that like the curiosity of like trying something new sometimes gets overshadowed by the like, if I don't like this, I'm going to like remember this, you know? Right. Um, and, and yeah, like it, it, it very, very potent when it comes to food. Like, so I think sometimes I am not that adventurous an eater just because I'm like, if I like bite into this, like the memory of biting into this is going to like hit me at 2 a.m. and I'm going to wake up screaming. Um, so I think that is probably what would prevent me from trying human flesh, no matter how ethically sourced or <laughs> deliciously prepared. I think I would be like, okay, if this is gross, if this is like something my brain and soul or whatever is telling me not to do and I do it anyway. And if it does like, you know, revolt me, I think it would probably be one of those things I would remember forever. And I think I probably wouldn't do it for that reason. The I'll FBI answer. informant listening is like, okay, good answer. <laughs> now Call immediately he's like, he's he's like turning all the surveillance equipment towards your house, Amy. He's like, okay, but this one's That's, definitely but this eater. one's definitely the people eater. <laughs> She's even wearing purple. <laughs> she is wearing purple for those listening. That, that, can't see that was very good call, said Jordan. That was that was impressive. Thing that I said, thank you. I'm with Jordan though, because like if I, you know, if I get a bite of chicken cartilage, I'm like, I'm out. Right. Yeah, can't do it. <laughs> you know. Yeah, there was there was a Vice article a few years back about a guy whose foot got amputated, and he like tried to make tacos out of his own foot. Um, oh I remember hearing about that. That's sort like... of always stuck with me. I feel similar to you guys in that, like, I just like I don't I don't like being a person. I, I imagine I wouldn't taste good. <laughs> so I think about eating other people. I'm like, okay, like they probably taste better than me, but how much better can they taste? Whereas like, you know, I know what tastes good meat. <laughs> right. I'm going to, I'm going to derail for just a hot second. Cause this is making Go. me think of a book, a book that I love. And I, and I recommend Ooh. books on all the podcasts I'm on. Apparently um, there's a book called under the skin and they made a movie out of it with uh, Scarlett Johansson, oh, yeah. but I do sure. not like the movie or, you know, I don't like the movie as an adaptation of the book. I'll say uh, because the book is actually, it is like a dark comedy satire about factory farming, overuse of um of like resources and stuff and it's about aliens who come to earth and they see humans as animals and and they're like and so they're like yeah we're we're capturing humans and uh keeping them you know in cages and and fattening them up to send back to our home planet and then the ceo of like the, the or the son of the ceo of the company that basically destroyed their home planet comes down and has this whole like we should be vegan these animals these humans are are, ana- are people too like they should be like it's it's super weird and super funny but i i love that because it does like there is like that idea of like they are like even though those humans have language like we don't recognize it as language and they're just food animals to us and it's really fascinating to watch like an alien be a vegan for humans you know <laughs> <laughs> having seen under the skin the movie i am baffled to know yeah that that's, that's a weird about. adaptation <laughs> right? i was not thrilled with the direction they took the film but that's not what we're here to discuss <laughs> i thought like, i thought maybe you missed, missed all this like actual like discussion uh, yeah I, I thought you were maybe gonna go with um 
that 2020 book, um, uh, Tender is the Flesh. Um, no, but that's on my reading list. <laughs> that book fucking rules. It is very hard to read. It is uh, okay. tr- truly gripping and upsetting visceral descriptions of people eating other people and like experimenting on them and growing on factory farms. But I would recommend it to anybody who likes, well, not just stuff like that, but you know, <laughs> intense spooky <laughs> books. Yeah, if you're really into this, we have questions, but <laughs> right. Yeah, that's that's been on my reading list. I'll have to probably check that out after this in honor of Pops. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if the cannibal community will find this book and will be like heroes to to them. <laughs> I'm sure they're Uh-oh. out there. <laughs> <laughs> sure, there's a subreddit somewhere. Oh don't, my goodness! Don't bring them to us. Don't don't summon them to this. Be, podcast. Yes, if you're listening to this, it's we're not. <laughs> this is not a pro cannibal piece. There'll be a binging with Babish, uh, but it's oh. about the overachiever puree. <laughs> oh, yeah. How to recreate. Well, that's when we know we've made it, is when <laughs> we get an episode of the YouTube cooking show, Binging with Babish. We had a, that shout out on uh, Good Mythical Morning. That was exciting. And they didn't that's even true. make you eat anything weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. I did. I did get to shout out the book on the other hit YouTube show, Good Mythical Morning. There's only two. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then that's true. That is one of the rare Good Mythical Morning episodes where someone isn't eating something uh, kind of gross. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I made I made it out unscathed. But I have had to eat gross things on that show before. So I've like, you know, I've 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 paid my dues. I I ate a bull <laughs> testicle breakfast burrito once. So wow. Oh, real bad. <laughs> it tasted bad. <laughs> it tasted is gross that... and sweaty. What's the grossest thing you guys have ever eaten? I mean, I know that's a hard question to answer, but like, does is what comes to your mind the bull testicle burrito or, you know, so as part of that same video, the premise of the of the of those videos is it was it was kind of a sub series that they had off of Good Mythical Morning. And it was where their chef um, tried to take something really disgusting and make it into something you would like. So I love a breakfast burrito. So I think the premise of this was. We took bull testicle meat and made it into a breakfast burrito. You know, would you eat it if it was in like your favorite dish? Um, (laughs) And as part of that video, so the breakfast burrito they made with it did turn out to be pretty gross. But as part of that video, you had to take a bite of like unseasoned bull testicle. And I think that was maybe the grossest thing I've ever had in my life. Um, It was was pretty foul. So, yeah. But I guess I guess maybe I've I've found my yeah, I found out something about myself. We were talking earlier about eating human meat, and I guess if this is any indication, I would eat it if it was on a YouTube video. So well, of course, who wouldn't? I'd do anything. Yeah, the, the, the thumbnail yeah, for that video alone would be incredible. <laughs> right. The face I would be making, like, what? <laughs> human meat? Red circle around your face. Zoom in right. arrow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Human meat and Easter eggs for Ant-Man and the Wasp? Quantum mania? <laughs> oh, man. Perfect thumbnail face I'm making. Oh, I can see it now. Sure. Chris um... Evans joins the DCU? <laughs> <laughs> Just naming YouTube videos. Anyway. I'd have to say, I'm gonna, mine's a little bit more tame, depending on where you're looking at it, for, than uh, bull testicles. But the grossest thing I think I've ever eaten was um last easter uh oh, wow. whatever, whatever the yeah speaking of easter uh good segue um whatever the that jelly bean it's not jelly belly but whatever the other jelly bean company is um because you know there's so many Rocks. of them they put out 
taco truck jelly beans. Oh, no. And it was this small smattering of like different flavors and there were a couple in there that's like yes this is a natural evolution for the jelly bean there was a churro flavor and a horchata flavor which were just different oh, you know yeah. different degrees sure. of cinnamon yeah. yeah and then and then there was margarita like that was yes we've got we've done alcoholic jelly beans like that's fine but the the other two that were included were a guacamole and a beef taco jelly bean mm, yeah no. and i don't know what goes on at jelly bean factories but these the psychos who do the like harry potter nasty ones and they're like let's make this booger flavored like i don't know what they're doing there and who has to like approve that and get to that point the guacamole one was okay like i wouldn't i would never willingly seek it out but i could eat it it had a really strong red onion undertone oh. which was very strange the beef taco <laughs> was like a sin against nature it was horrible because it is this sugary little jelly bean that they have somehow packed meat flavor into and it was just we we bought a bag of them at my office and we were just, it was one of those like this is so gross you should try it and it was it was the worst it was just truly awful that sounds atrocious uh yeah bad. people people who make jelly beans are apparently dang ass freaks i don't know what <laughs> Sickos in the jelly bean industry. Hundred <laughs> Nobody... percent. Uh, Brian, do you have a do you have a grossest thing you've ever eaten that comes to mind? You know, I, I was I I asked the question and then immediately became terrified that one of you would ask me the question uh, and tried to think about it. Um, when I it's funny when I when I wrote for the OC Weekly, I had to cover the Lay's Do Us a Flavor Potato Chip Challenge every year. Mm, um, yeah. Well, I don't know, they didn't do it every year, like every couple years but it's funny that the beef was it like beef gyro and tzatziki they did one year where they tried to emulate like the donor kebab flavor was also really terrible there's something about that like I artificial beef got, flavor i think i got those and didn't hate them <laughs> i oh they i think i i think that worked on me i think i was like oh yeah i'd love to have that in a chip it was a good i was excited for it that as, uh as a fan of that food when it is not a potato chip i'd be mm -hmm. i'd be down to try it but <laughs> but yeah i like i've done i've tried a few i don't know it, my answer that comes to mind is like kind of embarrassingly like domestic and we my mom is not like a cook she doesn't cook often she's not a good cook she doesn't like doing it but every once in a while when i was growing up she'd like get like a bee in her bonnet and be like no i must cook like domestic reasons demand mm -hmm. that i cook and one day she made a chicken caesar spaghetti recipe that she found somewhere and like it doesn't sound that terrible and it didn't look that terrible but when i tell you that myself my stepfather my two stepsisters and i like we just refused to eat more than two bites and my mom would just like she was irate and like she she wouldn't try she was like trying to be like no no it's good it's good you guys don't know and like you could watch her and you could tell that she hated it too i already ate some when you weren't looking and <laughs> yeah yeah i really like, liked it so part of the preparation is tasting <laughs> right so i'm full already so i can't eat anymore but <laughs> but yeah i guess i don't it know it sounds innocuous it, it, I don't know what was wrong with it. I don't know if she maybe like used real anchovies somehow and that really destroyed it, but it, it was rough. So avoid chicken Caesar spaghetti if you ever get the chance. Well, now that you've said something about, you know, your mom not being a cook, are you like, do you fancy yourself like, oh, I, you know, I've got a, like, how do you think that you are as, as, as a cook? <laughs> 
Um, I like, I don't want to like throw the gauntlet down, Sam. Good. I, I think I'm a pretty good cook. I actually really like to cook. Um, I worked, I was a line cook for years. Uh, shout out to oh. season ticket family pizza where every day is a tailgate party. Uh, they don't exist anymore, <laughs> but I cooked there for a long time. Um, I, I think I'm pretty good at it, but, uh, like I love garbage food that tastes good and is bad for you. So like, I'm not, I, my instincts often veer toward like, like trash diner stuff. Do you, that, but that that makes me think. I mean, like, well, first of all, I want to hear if you two are good cooks. But I'm also curious: Are you? Did either of you work in food service at any point? Did that like affect this book for you and in your process coming towards it? I have never worked in food service. Um, I don't think I am strong enough as a person. Um, the closest experience I had that I kind of pulled from with the like small business owner type i worked in a comic book store in college and you know that's got its own special flavor of wacky sure. if you're a girl um but uh i you know that idea of the customer service was what i took from that but i i have never uh worked in food service and i just don't think i, I have the fortitude to do so <laughs> Uh, I, I think I'm an okay cook. I can do like, I do a lot of like sheet pan meals. And I think that like, if you need a, if you need a functional weeknight dinner, I'm your guy. Uh, if, if you need anything a little fancier, a little more special occasion, that's when I start to struggle. But, uh, yeah, you know, you want to, you want to, if you want a couple of chicken thighs and two veggies, give me a call. Um, (laughs) and weeknight. Yeah, it, you know, a great functional weeknight dinner. Not that nothing special, it. but it'll t- be tasty, you know. Um, and I, I've worked as a barista. That's like the closest Ooh. I've been to to any of this stuff. And yeah, that is its own little like world of dehumanization. Uh, yeah, I've worked in some like fancier coffee places, and like the 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 clientele that hates you is. Um, that that's that you you i really remember the you know the 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 feelings of scorn from the clientele when the uh you know the the latte milk wasn't foamy enough so uh yeah, oh, yeah. i definitely like sympathize with i i definitely like that this 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 book is like a worst case horror scenario for what happens when you don't tip your server you know <laughs> And I think, yeah. you know, like obviously post pandemic, we're all like rethinking how much we tip and like making sure that, you know, I'm nice people out there are, are doing this, you know, this mental exercise of like, oh, maybe, we, you know, we need to like tip those drivers and we need to tip, you know, bartenders and, you know, maybe even counter service people deserve tips. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that this uh, that this book is like that, the, that. That's the way in which it is timely is it is the horror version of uh of what happens when you don't tip well said and if you don't tip at least 20 percent, you are evil and deserve to be made into a burger and eaten by pop steiner residents there so. you go yes <laughs> what about you amy you asked what, what are you do you consider yourself a good cook um you know uh similar to, to jordan i don't think i can do like the big fancy entertaining like i'm not the type of person to maybe like cook a, a, a holiday dinner um but i've got you know i've got a a routine Um, group of recipes, family stuff. Um, And I really love kind of getting weird with like experimenting, like going, oh, I think I, you know, if I don't have all the ingredients, like what can I substitute or something fun? Or like, I think I can make something out of like the tofu pepperoni and like bell peppers in my fridge or something like that. But I'm not, I'm not so great at baking, which seems weird because baking is is a lot more step-by-step and like pretty exact, but you know, I always blame it on my uh, oven. But um, the, 
two best things I did for myself in the last year was I got an air fryer and I've, so I've fully in the cult of the air fryer. Um, but I, air fryer people are serious. I invested in a really nice Japanese rice cooker and that has just Mm. like changed everything for me. Um, and those, those two kitchen gadgets combined are the closest that I can get to have it feeling like someone else is doing the cooking for me, even though it's all, you know, I got to do the cleaning up the dishes afterwards, but. I, you know, I haven't died yet and I haven't had any complaints from myself about any of my food. So <laughs> I, I'm going to count that as a win. No, definitely. Uh, no, uh, baking's hard. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at it, but uh, I feel like that's because you have to be like a smart science minded person to handle baking. Whereas like, you know, yeah. I will definitely burn all the cookies. Sure. <laughs> I think, you know, I listen, it- we're, we're creatives. We're, we're good with, <laughs> you know, we're good with stews and chilies and things that you can kind of riff a little bit, you yeah. know? Yeah. That's, that's where we thrive. I measure garlic with my heart. <laughs> there you yes. go. Yes. You feel, you feel when you've added enough cumin. You're like, yeah, this feels <laughs> right. On the, now that we're talking food appropriately, I'd love to go around the horn and find out what everyone's diner order is. And uh, let's say I'll need two answers for this. This is a two answer question. Breakfast and trying to sober up. The two most important times to go into a diner. Uh, Ryan, you want to start? All right. This is um, I'm putting myself I'm putting a bullseye on myself here. Um, I don't like eggs. So I have a lot of trouble with breakfast. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, come at me. Feel free. I uh, I know I have a lot of unfortunate food takes. Uh, uh, no shade to anybody else who likes eggs. I get why they're cool. Uh, I just think they taste real nasty and they have a terrible texture no matter how you cook them. Um, so my breakfast food is like, I don't know, like some cheese fries and maybe some chicken tenders. Oh, dang. Okay um that's a it's this is a hot take this is uh, this is why you tune into this podcast uh i'm gonna get a direct for this uh and like trying to sober up actually like i would do like the classic um turkey sandwich like the clubhouse turkey sandwich which Mm -hmm. is like kind of lighter and then like quadruple the amount of fries and just soak up everything in potato (laughs) like get it all out of my system amy oh man um you know i I'm also with you on eggs. I'm not an eggs person, but oh, um, I, my go-to breakfast, and I'm, I'm pretty picky about like, cause sometimes pancakes just feel like too much. Like it, it certain places, weird like way, a I'll weird go way to their... start the day, a weird way to yeah, start the day. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, it just feels like a really big stack of bread, but I, then I'm going to turn right around and say, I love French toast. Uh, I will go for the French toast uh, and bacon for breakfast. I am the kind of person mm. who wants the bacon <laughs> almost like annihilated, like charcoaly. Like I need it. Mm. I need it crunchy, um, just crunchy and salty. Uh, and I will drown the French toast with syrup and butter, uh, powdered sugar, whatever. Uh, if I'm like, if I'm going to eat a big plate of bread, it's it's going to be the French toast. Um, sobering up, I would, you know, I will also uh, indulge myself in chicken tenders, like whenever the mood calls for it. Uh, I love that. But I will also always, always, always go for a burger. And it's better if it's got uh, bacon, onion rings, avocados, like just mm. stack it high with stuff. Um, my hot take, though, is I'm not a cheese person. I don't really like cheese. Oh, okay. uh, and that that also does get me a lot of hate. So I will like put as much as you want on the burger as long as cheese is not there. Um, and one last controversial opinion to the pile. I like steak fries. I If I'm going to get French fries, I want more potato 
than anything else. I like, I don't, don't give me the shoestrings that are like practically just like toothpicks. Like I want steak fries a and chunky, a side of a ranch. Chunky <laughs> yeah. Oh, side of ranch yeah. for sure. Yeah. 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 What I'm about you, Drew? <laughs> uh, fairly, fairly down the middle answer for breakfast, uh, egg scrambled cheddar cheese, uh, bacon hash browns. Uh, mm. I'm with you, Amy. I like a steak fry and I think what, to, what to do at a diner with any potato preparation. I shouldn't say any, not baked potato, but like fries, hash browns, tots, whatever they have, tell them well done. And they will, they will yeah. usually do it if the diner is any good. And I think that is the best way to have hash browns or steak fries is you want them real golden. It's yeah. kind of similar to what you said about the bacon. If they can be kind of close to burned, that's what I'm the most into a diner potato side. Yeah. And you know, this is, uh, this is kind of a cold take as well, but I will, um, uh, I'll go ahead and say that I am a, I am a member of team pancakes for the middle. Uh, if you're with more than one person, don't, you know, pancakes is your main. That's a thing. You're starting off the day with the gut bomb. Uh, but you know, if you have more than one person, everybody get their savory thing. You have pancakes for the middle. Everybody gets a bite. Uh, it, goes, it goes with waffles or French toast too. Uh, and sober up. Uh, yeah. Burger, uh, fries. I do find sometimes the diner has better onion rings than it has fries. Um, I'd like to see them, but if they if they if they look good, I'll say about the onion rings for the fries. Uh, vanilla malt, vanilla malt, vanilla malt. Um, it's the best. It's the best malt slash shake flavor, I think. Yeah, and that little the little the the dairy that goes with the salt. Oof, doesn't that you can't beat it. Yeah. What's your shake, Amy? What's your go to malt or shake then? Now that we've Ooh. we've at addendum to the diner question. I love a chocolate banana. Ooh, all right. Like it, I banana is my top favorite, but sometimes just a banana. Like that, people don't do that. But like chocolate banana, anything, hundred okay. percent. Mm. You're gonna attract I... minions. You're gonna attract <laughs> minions. With all oh banana. no! Don't, oh no! Don't know about this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I. I like when it, wherever it comes to ice cream in general, I like a lot of business, like a lot, a lot of stuff going on. I want there to be way too many toppings. It should be hard to drink through a straw. Um, when I'm at like a diner, I usually get. A cookies and cream like an oreo milkshake but then i'm like um could you please make it with chocolate ice cream instead of vanilla mm. i would like it to be more chocolatey please mm -hmm. uh yeah I, yeah that's, there's definitely some overstimulation issues going on with my taste buds <laughs> do you do a cherry on top yeah but like that's an aesthetic thing right i'm i'm <laughs> i'm like ooh, uh, and then i like hand it to them, go, who else really likes cherries uh, and give it, <laughs> give it away um Something that I've really enjoyed about making comics is that that relationship between writer and artist, uh, it, it can be so fun. And when you when you get back a book and the artist did something that you didn't expect and it just like works. Um, I don't know if, if y'all have um, something like that from this book and then, you know, just something like that that's happened on a previous project, just a, a little bit of art you got back that really just blew you away. Good question. Uh, I mean, uh, Amy, do you have one? You want me to go first? I can go ahead. You go first. <laughs> uh, I mean, on this book, it's uh, this book. It's actually really easy for me. Um, I like. I just really wanted the teeth in the goulash on the floor, and I was like, really like Chris. Like, I want it to look like these human teeth have been like soaking in a pot of stew all day like they've just been like simmering with the goulash like 
They shouldn't look like fresh teeth. They have to be like <laughs> parboiled. And I felt like that was like a really silly note. And then when the panel came back and I saw the teeth like clattered on the floor with the goulash bowl, I'm like, son of a bitch, you got the goulash. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I totally agree with you, Jordan. Like every single comic that I do, every single script, every single issue, some fucking panel comes back pure magic. And I'm like, how'd you do that? You crazy mastermind. That mm -hmm. is beautiful. I'm blown away. Um, I don't know if I could pick just one even from from every book um i will toss over to amy yeah um for this one i i've learned that when i don't know exactly who the artist is going to be when i start the script and in this case i didn't know i was paired with federico um i kind of write my panel descriptions from a from a pulled back perspective in my head they're were kind of far removed from the action um but this uh script for die and dash did call for some close-ups especially on pop and a, like what i described as like his evil villain moments like the mustache twirling kind of stuff and there are two specific scenes and i think it's this it's on the second page and on the last page where federico really just delivered this for lack of a better term almost like anime style <laughs> pop close up with the action lines and the really close and the first one is that first time where we uh see sherry and she's like it's just a few burgers and he's like just a few burgers and like it's that glowing red trail he's got out of his eyes almost kind of like reflected off the jukebox um and i loved that it, it just felt like the perfect like encapsulation of that and then the final moment where he's walking away uh from the jukebox and it it has this almost like Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, like the way that it's like so dramatically like pushed in and out, like as he's walking away and the jukebox is screaming. Um, and it just, those two moments I think were so perfect for like, okay, when we do tip into that Pop has a nefarious side. Because he did a really sweet uh, kind of gentle and very like pudgy and, and fatherly Pop in a lot of other panels. But those two moments specifically, I was just like, oh my God, Federico nailed it. It's so good. And it has that like intensity to it that, I wasn't writing necessarily. I was like, okay, you're going to, this is an evil villain moment. However you think that's going to work. And, and it just came together so nicely. How about you, Jordan? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I really love this, this, we kind of alluded to this in, in a, in another bit of the conversation, but I think something that Liana really nailed is uh, some of the fashion choices in this. I think that like the Archie character is always very fashionable. Um, I think when we meet Stacy, she has these like very, these like very 90s checkerboard pants um as you know a former ska kid i was excited to see those <laughs> and um yeah I, I think uh ryan maybe mentioned the like eyes wide shut masks that all the uh kind of cannibal customers are wearing and yeah the idea is that this is kind of an elite thing that the rich can buy their way into and the uh the masks are all really like cool and stylish i definitely just had um like i was envisioning in my head just like a very down the middle zorro mask but the um the the masks in this are all very like cool and stylish and i think it adds to the idea that like this is a social event for these people like you know these people don't just come to like eat flesh but they come to be seen a little bit you know so it is, like, <laughs> don't we all <laughs> yeah, and it's just this like schmoozy event uh for the you know elite in riverdale and uh yeah i think that like all those all those little choices that liana made were were, were so cool and definitely like added to that vibe um in like really cool ways yeah yeah it's very good thank you both for asking such awesome questions this has been a, a really fun format and thank you both for being such like awesome collaborators i mean i don't know if i can pick one thing in this issue that i really loved about working with you but honestly like 
Amy, you, you were so good about like really helping us feel like we were in the space of the diner the entire time we were working on our scripts together. And like, it was really a joy to play off of that. So thank you. And Jordan, I mean, honestly, like I have been coming through, I went back, I have my copy of the issue, but I've been going back through your script uh, from our email chains and just like cackling to myself every time you say something really, really funny. Um, and I just, I really think that y you alone, like, I like, I don't know. I, I really like got so many laughs every time I read your script back in the day. And it was just like bringing back memories from like our early production to be like, God, this guy's on fire with the bit. Like Soylent Teen is like setting up. You're like, I'm calling it. This is the title sure. of the book. And you're like, <laughs> right. no, also within the script. I'm going to be like, bam, 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 bam. Yeah, thanks. Something uh, I something that I a, a comp two compliments I could give to both of you equally. Uh, I, I think we alluded to the fact that this was really collaborative. Sometimes these can just be lonely writing exercises and you never meet anybody involved. Uh, so it was really, really cool just to be able to bounce ideas off y'all. And I think it like made made uh, definitely made my script better. And yeah, I love what like students of horror you both are. So, yeah, I, I think that, you know, this these could be kind of cheesy and spoofy in different hands. But I think the fact that y'all both like love horror and take it seriously, uh, just like made it so much better. So yeah, I really love that you guys are both bringing all this like deep horror knowledge and deep horror love to the project. It really shows. Thank you. Well, I, I just want to thank you both. This has been the probably the best. Uh, yes, this has been the best experience I've ever had putting together a comic and, and a thanks to all the Archie team as well. But you guys, really just all the support uh and kind of uh guidance throughout the collaborative process and and like ryan you're talking about the scripts yours was so simple and elegant and jordan like so many phrases of yours still like you you wrote a script that's still fun to read before it becomes the full comic that is also still fun to read uh, but this has just been such an amazing collaboration and i truly will never forget it and next time i see you guys again we should milkshakes on me. I know we've done that, but uh, you know, it's just more a really shakes, great time. More shakes. <laughs> Never more drink shakes. too many milkshakes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you to Ryan, Amy, and Jordan for joining us for this discussion. Ryan can be found at ryankatywrites.com or on Instagram at rye underscore katie. Amy's work is at amythunderjam.com and Jordan is on Instagram at jordandavidmorris. All those links are in the episode description as usual. Special thanks to Matt Campbell for composing our music and Patrick Hart for designing our logo. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Creators on Comics Podcast. <laughs>